So Brett, what would be your martial artist name and what would be your martial arts style? Oh, my martial artist name would be Lightning Mantis. And my style would probably be Mantis style. <laughs> um, you know, something that's like quick. You know what I mean? Quick and smart. You got to learn about your enemy's hidden, super secret hidden weak point and strike that exact spot. That's the kind of style. Like the Mantis I, I in Phase 4. That's right. Well, yeah, the Mantis in Phase 4 got wrecked, though. <laughs> But yeah, he was crispy. He was crispy from all that electricity running through him. That's how they got him. How about you? What would your style be? Name and style. So name, if I was going after the last thing I ate, like this was an internet <laughs> quiz, I would be flying pancake. Um, but I also feel like the animal I most identify with is a manatee. So maybe <laughs> I should be flying manatee. And of course, I am part of the Manatee School of Martial Arts, which I think would be similar to Flying Chimp, where I would probably be able to take a lot of damage, but it reflects my chi, my right. powerful chi blasts back out when people try to hit my blubber. Um, and then also just my, I feel like, I don't know what manatees do to defend themselves, but for the sake of entertainment, I'm going to just assume that they do a lot of stuff with their tail, like flipping yep. people with their tail and, and doing like, like manatee rolls. So I would want to have like really devastating kicks and spins in addition to my blubber chi force field. Right. But so why do you have to be flying pancake or flying manatee? Why can't you be like manatee pancake, like a like a panatee or something? But I feel like for a martial arts name, you either need a qualifying like an adverb like flying or striking or or, or glittering or something like that. Or you need an element like lightning, fire earth yeah rolling rolling manatee maybe uh i don't know i feel like flying manatee means that my manatee's going places so right. it's I, a little I, more whimsical I, I, yeah and we also just yeah. watched a movie that had flying animal names so right. i i feel attached to that one it is a classic all right shall we let's do it all right, face me, you coward. <laughs> All right, this is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is Shira, and I am a master of the romantic comedy arts. My name is Brett, and I am a disciple of the horror movie arts. Oh, you you don't think that anybody's coming to your mountain to to learn about about horror? I feel like that's what I I feel like I'm the the wise the old wise martial arts man 
in the art of romantic comedy for our podcast. Like you came to my mountain to learn from me what a Bellamy is. Nope. I'm still learning. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in the, the 36 chambers of Shaolin. For I gotta work my way to the top. Fair enough. I mean, I st- I feel like I still need to do that for rom-coms, but I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm at least in the middle. Like, I, oh, I feel yeah. like there are still teachers above me, but um, like I, I think I'm at least Wing Chun level where I can defend a village of rom-com fans. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so if you haven't guessed, the theme this week is martial arts as proposed by Brett. So I got to ask, what what brought on martial arts? Man, I've just been watching a lot of martial arts movies lately. <laughs> um, I've been playing this Dragon Ball Fighters on PlayStation 4, so I'm in that like mindset of not only do you have to have the skill of a good martial artist, but that mental move aspect um, of like having a character be hyped up. Martial arts movies are just so good at that. Instantly, you know, if a character's badass or not. And uh, I knew that there were some horror ones out there, but I didn't really. Oh yeah. (laughs) I didn't know how easy or hard this would be to pick a rom-com, but I knew I knew you could do it, so I thought it's and finally time. And I did time. it. Yeah. And you did it, too. I think both of us fulfilled our prompts. I, I think that sometimes I wonder if longtime listeners of this podcast are skeptical about how we define genre when it comes to rom-coms and horror, but this is our podcast, and we can do whatever we want, first of all. But also, I do think that we know when we're getting into, I don't know, something that's stretching the boundaries and then something that feels like a classic horror and a classic rom-com. And both of these movies have the tropes, I think. Yeah. We have made far bigger stretches uh, in other themes than, than these two. These two are, are straight up great horror movies and uh, one great horror movie and one great rom-com movie. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so what's your history with martial arts movies? Um, I used to get movies at the movie rental place, not Blockbuster, but it was a place like Blockbuster. Uh, four movies, $4 for four nights. And so we would always pick a theme. It's a good some, deal. Yeah. Sometimes our theme was martial arts movies. So it was just pick whichever one has the coolest name and hope that it's a good one. But yeah, all the uh, the dubbed, you know, the dubbed martial arts stuff. Like, I just love it so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Have you... Have you dipped your toes in this? Uh, I know that you're a fan of action movies. Uh, I mean, really, the person in my life who loves action movies and loves martial arts movies is my mother. 
my mom is a martial artist. She's a black belt in jujitsu. And so she's had throughout my life a, a big admiration and respect for martial arts movies and for good martial arts in movies. Uh, so yeah, I, I know about Zatoichi, for example, through my mom, uh, and any, anything having to do with martial arts and, and fighting in a movie I've probably seen because of her. And it's funny you mention going to the local video store because I had that experience as well. Shout out to those who remember a uh, premier video in <laughs> Dallas, Texas, but it was the spot to go to. If you wanted to find a, a cool foreign movie, like a martial arts movie. And they would, even if it only played on foreign DVD players or, or foreign VCRs, they'd let you rent one so that you could watch whatever movie you wanted to watch. Yeah, that's uh, so, a that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And, like that's and super it, cool. <laughs> there was there was it was hard to watch some of the movies you wanted to watch back then. Not everything was just online. Uh, I mean, French Kiss conspiracy <laughs> aside, uh, but yeah, I I have a lot of love for martial arts and and fighting movies. So when you when you proposed this theme. I thought, you know, game on. Let's let's go ahead and do this because it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So which movie should we do first? I could do either one. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we both have our work cut out for us. We really do. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't have I, I feel like the last two times we've recorded I I felt like I knew exactly what I wanted to do when it came to my remixes and I just, you know, spun it out there. Um, but this time I I just kind of was like, ah, get it done. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did have my work cut out for me because I think these movies just work so well how they are. I think sometimes it's easier to change movies that aren't that compelling and then you can just write something that compels you personally. But uh, I think e each of these movies had their own thing going on that was interesting. So I watched Human Lanterns first. So uh, did I. Yeah. And then I watched Wing Chun afterwards as I because I thought it would be a palate cleanser. And it totally <laughs> was. Uh, so we could start with Human Lanterns and then go into Wing Chun. Yeah, I will say we can get into specific trigger warning stuff here, but both movies, to be fair, both movies have have trigger warning things in them. Yeah, both movies play it fast <laughs> and loose with uh, sexual harassment. I will say yeah. I will say it that way. Uh, but uh, yeah, why don't we do Human Lanterns first? What do you think? I think that sounds great. All right. So why human lanterns? And I mean this question in multiple ways. Well, I had a few options like in my deck that I had already seen that I could have gone for. But Oh, like what? Um 
I should have written it down, but I got so overwhelmed with these movies. I didn't. I'll come back <laughs> to you on that. But I like I just Googled it. And it's one of those things where like Google is just a mess of answers sometimes when you mm-hmm. try to like you're trying to look at best martial arts horror movie. And it it just it can't compute that thing to like it just doesn't know what to do with that. But luckily, something on the Internet spat out human lanterns and all the comments on it were like, this movie's insane. So I started watching it. <laughs> I like that the reviews. I I didn't re- I didn't read any reviews of this movie. I opened a review in a tab, and I was like, "I'll look at that later." But right, procrastinator that I am, I later never came. So I actually had no idea what people thought of this movie. So they think it's insane. I well, agree with them. The, the only people going out of their way to comment on movies like Human Lanterns is are people who are fans of it. So mm-hmm. I got that like this movie is insane. Like a few people commented it's vibes that. in in a yeah. way. I would say it's doc. It's it, it it reminds me in some parts of Doctor Fibes. Yeah, it's exactly it like that. It, it doesn't have to make sense. It just is. Yeah, so the the people who were talking about how insane it was did a good job of conveying, like, no, seriously, like, take this one seriously. Because there's a bunch of martial arts movies out there, right? And yes. so I, I started watching it, and I was like, you know, usually within the first 10 minutes, you can find out if this is, like, a good hidden gem or if it's just, like, a fine movie that some people hype up but no Mm -hmm. 10 minutes into this movie i'm like holy crap this movie's going for it i'm all in um (laughs) i i was shocked i was shocked by the first kill that like how (laughs) how deep into the horror genre they were going man Right. I I didn't expect it either. I actually I actually expected it to not be as horrifying as it was. I have a question for you though as a martial arts movie fan. What is the difference between a martial arts movie, a kung fu movie and uh wuxia, right? Is is right. also a, a label designation and where do you think this movie fits in those categories? Uh, so Kung Fu is, a, is definitely a specific style, right? And that's mm-hmm. usually going to involve um, like a monk or a monastery type thing. <laughs> um, but martial arts is just an all-encompassing thing. The, the wuxia stuff is kind of like crouching tiger hidden dragon gets more Mm. into the wuxia which is more of that theatrical metaphorical sense of these characters fighting like spear Um, dancing on water and stuff yeah it's um kind of like tai chi-esque like it's like the capoeira of martial arts yeah, definitely. Like it's uh yeah. Oh, it's... Okay, so so then kung fu movies and wuxia movies are both martial arts movies. Yes, and for the most part they both can deal like 
plot wise, they have the same kinds of things going for them. Um, so it's just kind of the difference between, you know, your action style. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. So then where do, where would you say that, uh, human lanterns fits in that? Uh, human lanterns is, <laughs> is awesome. Uh, it's, I don't know the specific That's the label. Awesome. I, awesome. I don't know the specific kinds of martial arts that they're using here, but it's just rainbow fans. Right. It, it it's, it's almost very Jalo esque in like it is the, actually yeah like it's um it's telling a horror tale of like a very fairy tale esque horror tale of that kind of pumpkin head kind of like once you take the first step it's all you need to take and then you are cursed for the rest of the movie and there's no getting out of it. I thought of Drag Me to Hell multiple times during this movie. Because... Oh, I thought of I saw the devil. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, like, so th there's set pieces around not only the fights, but there's set pieces around the kill. And mm -hmm. um, I, this this movie just makes it silly, right? Like, it's these two guys yeah. fighting over lanterns. And there's but a why there's a... human lanterns. That's what I want to know. You know, not just why this movie, but why human lanterns because it's a cursed thing you can uh like that's all uh, it's like a it's like a campfire horror story right like did you ever hear the one about the human lanterns like okay you know what i mean okay. like it's got like I, I think you could say like the human lanterns or the guy with the hook for a hand or, you know what I mean? Like this is instantly. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I see where you're going. All right. Let, let's get into it. Now, let me just say that this movie is too obscure for Wikipedia. Uh, so I very heroically uh, wrote the summary myself and it's, extremely long it's not a summary it's a textbook but you're gonna hear every detail of human lanterns and you can decide or if you've watched it you'll relive it again but you can decide if it's for you so it does open almost you know kind of remind Ryan reminded me of the vampire lovers where that opens in on a moody cemetery this opens in on the weird creepy workshop and there's already the body of a woman hanging like a lantern and there's this bearded skull man flying around while gears are turning and there's a pot filled with skeletons and it's just it's a lot to take in visually it is a straight up evil lair yes like it it's is, a mad scientist vibes evil layer. on steroids. It's kind of like Dr. Fibes layer yeah. and the, I saw the devil layer had a baby. And then this was that layer. Like if layers could combine. So yes, it is, it is a S class evil layer, I would say. And then we cut to this woman getting wed ready. It is Madam Lung 
and then meanwhile, Master Lung is practi practicing in the sword gallery. I like that as an opening detail that he's just in the sword gallery practicing sword moves while she's getting ready. And well, they have... This is going to come into play later. This movie does a great job at showing <laughs> character stuff all throughout the movie. The sword he's using and how he's flirting with Madame Lung in that scene where like he's thrusting towards her and she's flirting. Yeah, with yeah. Him. He, he, like they have a cute husband-wife relationship yeah. despite his many flaws. <laughs> Uh, but he, he later will go out of his way to pick that specific sword in a very important sword fight later in the movie. So, oh, I didn't realize that you're, you're going to have to shade in some details as we go along. Yeah. So now they have to go see master tan. I'm a big tan fan. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to say tan. I'm, I'm team tan right out the gate. I'm part of the rainbow fan army. Uh, but they go to see Tan show off his massive big lantern, which is not a metaphor for anything. Um, and Tan is super excited about showing it during the lantern festival. He's, he basically is like, I'm going to have the biggest, baddest lantern at this lantern festival and the rest of you can suck it. He doesn't use those words. But he basically nails it in when he brings out Lung's old girlfriend. Uh, what is her name? Yen Chu. Yeah. And says, hey, your old lady, she's my new lady. And does it all in front of Lung's wife and him. And Lung handles it very well. Like she comes out, she she parades around them and she tries to serve a drink to Lung and he won't take it from her filthy hands. Well, she's uh, a she's a, a, a like a prostitute. She no, but she's not just a prostitute like on the street corner. She is a she's high like, class concubine. Right. Beautiful, highly sought after woman that you would be it. If you could afford her, you would be lucky. And, and it's and you're, clear you're a man of power. And it's very clear that Lung goes to see her, right? They even two characters even whisper it to each other, like, oh shit, that's Lung's mistress. So like everyone in town knows, but it's like something you don't talk about. It's very Jane Austen. This movie is very Jane Austen. Well, yes. There, well, we start with like a whole big society. Scene. Yeah, yeah. So this is the big. This is this is. Two I weeks. got the sense that she what she and Lung weren't together anymore. Like she used to be Lung's mistress, and she isn't anymore. Or no. is she still his mistress? Because later, later when he goes to see her, he's saying, "Hey, I." He's. It's kind of like a pretty woman. He's like, "Hey, I pay for you to be." in this place and everyone knows that you're mine. So essentially he's, he's paying her room and board at this geisha whorehouse. And then she's his. So it's basically like his girlfriend, you know what I mean? Well, anyways, his girlfriend meets his wife and it's yeah. very awkward and, Lung insults her in public and is like Lung out. Uh, and he and Madame Lung leave. 
and he sends his wife home, but then he goes to the market to go see old Sue uh, about Lantern Street. He goes to Lantern Street because you know what? Lung has decided that he needs a bigger and better lantern than Tan. He needs to beat Tan at lanterns. Yeah. I I I built this up this backstory because uh Tan says I won't let you win again or something or Lung says ah I I'll win again this year. So I have this idea that like if you no one's ever won 3 years in a row, so if you win 3 years in a row then you become ultra famous for having the most mega awesome lantern, which is how he sells Chun on it later, but you know what um, else this reminds me of? Not just um, what you said earlier, but Hallmark movies where in the small town there's a festival yeah. and a competition like who's going to sew the longest Christmas scarf or who's going to win the holiday pie baking competition. And it's who's going to win the Lantern Festival is definitely big on on people's list so he needs yeah, to have and Wong is a he's a movie character you know what i mean this is what i love movie characters lung has he's really amazing driven sideburns. by greed and pride <laughs> he is solely driven by greed and pride i think that's a correct read on his character but he does he, he looks great while he does it he has amazing sideburns and long hair and he yeah. has a great smoky eye that he rocks. Yeah. Also, he has a wife and a girlfriend, and he doesn't really care who knows about it. He just doesn't yeah. want Tan to get ahead of him. He is obsessed right. with Tan. Like, there's definitely a keeping up a, with the Joneses vibe between yeah. him and Tan, where it's, he has to have, he always has to have something better than what Tan has. Yep. But also, Tan is awesome, so I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> you you wouldn't want to let a guy like Tan get ahead of you. How would you look then? Um, so he goes to Lantern Street, but old Sue is making the big ass lantern, or he has made the big ass lantern for Tan. So he tells uh Long to go to Chunfang, right? Yeah. And then we learn that Chun Fong and Lung have a history where they fought each other before. Do you That's know right. more more about this, or like, because I was trying to understand what it is about Chun Fong and Lung and their history that makes the next scenes proceed the way they do. Well, so, yeah, I, I forget exactly at what point all this stuff is revealed, but it's kind of like um, Once Upon a Time in the West, where these characters had a showdown before. Lung ended up marking Chun. Is that his name, Chun? Chun Fong. Chun Fong. Yeah, so he marked Chun on the forehead, which is kind of like... Earlier when they say, like, hey, you're men of class, don't fight in here. Like, you're not supposed to mark your opponent like that. It's it's like chivalry um, type stuff. Not in right. the face. Right. So he embarrasses him. He publicly disgraces him. This whole movie is about Jane Austen reputation public disgracing. 
Um, well, what do you, it's like they say in uh, The Boys, what do you do to destroy somebody who has everything? You destroy ooh. their reputation. Yeah. And so Chun was like, well, I can't be a swordsman anymore because everyone knows that I've been beat and publicly shamed. So I'm just going to make lanterns for a living now. So it's very yeah, Buddhist. what a weird pivot. <laughs> very Taoist. But this is all this kind of Dr. Fibes, V for Vendetta, long con. This is this character who has mastered the art of lanterns just so he could get his I saw the devil level revenge of like, I am going to fuck your shit up. Yeah, it is some VC Andrew shit. Like he really takes a long time to get his revenge as we come to find out. So Chun, Chun Fang's like, I'll make you a lantern you'll never forget. Uh, and Lung insists that they go to the whorehouse where he confronts Yen Chu and he's like, don't embarrass me, anybody but Tan. Just, I think that's literally what he says. He says, you could get with anybody but Tan. Yeah. Uh, and so then, uh, Lung goes home. Madam Lung gives him a stern talking to but Lung is basically like, I would rather die than let Tan get ahead of me. Yep. Uh, and so later that night, a bearded skull man attacks Yen Chu and takes her to the creepy lair from the beginning of the movie. Uh, and this is, I think this might be where they make the human lanterns. Uh, Yenchu yeah. tries to flirt her way out of it, but it's too late. But yeah, it has a very vibes. I saw the devil vibe. He's taking these beautiful women, stripping them, and Buffalo Bill style using their skin to make lanterns. Yes, it uh, <laughs> it's freaking nuts. But it's I absolutely also... crazy. And this the movie's barely even started, and it's and we're already into the human. The first yeah, this is about lantern. 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And the first capture scene is great because, again, it's very Jalo. It's very colorful. You've get it's not quite point of view. Like Jalo usually has a serial killer point of view camera. But because this guy is acting like a monkey and acting like a crazy ghost, right? Because that happens a lot in martial arts movies. It's he like, kind of moves like Majora from uh, from Zelda, from Majora's Mask. He just, you know, he hops around like a little video game character. His yeah. movements are kind of almost jester-like, but also right. menacing. So it's kind of, but a lot of characters will do this in martial arts movies, which is like they embody whatever it is that their style is. Mm -hmm. So like the crazy guy who lives in the alleys always acts like a monkey, but then he's like, you know, he's like a, he's got a monkey style. So it's so awesome when he, when he juts through that, uh, the sheet to capture her. Like it's such a great yeah. jump. Like it's a legitimate jump scare. And then, it yeah, is. he does the, he paralyzes her, brings her back to the thing. You're right. She tries to flirt with him. But again, he like, he starts de-skinning her alive. And this movie made me gross out 
more than it anything was pretty in gross. Martyrs. Martyrs it is all about that gross. shock value stuff, but Martyrs is so boring. Yeah, <laughs> this movie, 20 I minutes get, in. I get I'm it. Like... Well, yeah, this movie's just crazy, and there's just so much going on that you it's hard to be bored. So the next day, the police are investigating. I like, uh, what is his name? Sergeant Poon. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's, a, he's a cool character, the inept policeman. Uh, well, he's and not then, even really, I mean, we say in that. He's doing the best he can. Right. I like, he's like, hey, there's no evidence. What do you want me to do? Or like, hey, I can't just go arrest this guy. What do you want me to do? He's very zen about the whole thing, which is also like, these people are high level professional killer fighter people. And he's yeah. just a sergeant in a, in a regular, he's just a regular cop. Yeah, he's just he's just a regular Joe. He's the uh, Lieutenant Gordon of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, while they're investigating, meanwhile, bearded skull man goes after Tan's sister and Tan's sister is a skilled archer and martial artist herself. So they have a pretty cool fight scene in the forest, but. She's no match for Bearded Skull Man either, so she gets bagged. I like that he just has a human-sized bag that he takes right. with him, and he just throws it over Tan's sister. He is prepared. Um, I think, you know how sometimes when people say in movies like, oh, this movie just didn't make me care for anyone? I, I like think Miss Tan. Miss Tan is great, and you know why she's instantly likable? is because she's she she's, she's a capable fighter she yeah, she, is she is able to hold her own so even though we know nothing about her we know that this killer is going to skin her alive and we don't want that for her because she's such a capable fighter and she doesn't deserve it and that's why it sucks that it happens to yen chu is because like it does she doesn't deserve it and it's just, it's all these yeah, brutal killings Chin, happening though. to these women. Right. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, what is it? I think Madame Lung, her name is Chin, right? Is that what it is? I, I'm I don't I'm just going to so say it is. <laughs> I think I remember. I mean, they usually called it like he's Master Lung. She's Madame Lung. But um, I think that her name is Chin. But I none yeah. of... None of the women had it coming and they still get nabbed. Uh, and so now we learn, we learn pretty early on that the skull man is Chun Fong and everyone is looking. This is very horror movie trope. Everyone is looking for Miss Tan while she's locked in the lantern dungeon. And then Tan is super distraught and naturally takes it out on lung. Yeah. It's a great mm. mistaken identity shenanigans kind of thing going on. Cause everyone like everyone is justified for thinking the wrong thing at any given time. Yeah. It, but also it's confusing. So um, like, Chun Fong does go to take Madame Lung as himself unmasked. No. Or what? Okay, what happens? I'm so confused by okay, that scene. Okay, yeah. It's, 
it's a fast i watched both movies twice because i was taking oh. notes during them so i was like oh my god it's these are hard to keep up and take notes and get everything the way it yes. is so um first of all the the killer when he shook the person's skin in front of their face to to the mm-hmm. second person he kidnapped he shook the first person's skin in front of their face that was just like texas chainsaw 2 Oh, when he puts yeah. the mask of the people on. Um, and so what happens is, is while he's got the um, while he's got Tan's sister, right? Yeah. In the basement, Lung visits the shop. That's and, right. And Chung said, don't visit me until the lanterns are done. I'll come to you. That was part of his devil's contract deal with him. Because he's like, are you sure you want me to make your lanterns? Okay, you Ooh, asked for it. You're going to get a lantern, all right. Right. And so Chun, uh, Wong came unannounced. So then what happens is Chun He's just Chun so comes hot in. for those lanterns. Right. He wants that lantern stuff real bad. Um, he goes to Lun's house and then you know, says like, hey, I'm invading your privacy. How do you like it? That's essentially what he's doing is he's flexing on Lung and saying, yeah, he's like, hey, don't come around again. Because he almost got caught. If that lady screamed, he would have been caught. So he had to really make a point to say, hey, you cannot come to my evil lair ever again. Mm -mm. No, no, no. But he's not suspicious about that. Uh, so I, I'm trying to remember, is this where they, um, is this where they have the fight in that, in that, uh, inn or that restaurant and they're throwing pots at each other? Yeah. This is another classic, which is they're not fighting directly, but they're fighting through one of them wants to get the lantern wet and the other one doesn't. And so it's a, it's a very interesting fight. And um, so they're not fighting directly at that point. They're just kind of testing each other. Right. Which is a great way to save all of your good martial arts fightingness and concentrate that down into one good fight. Mm-hmm. Um by having these characters have to puff their chests at each other and kind of, I like that you know, scene. Show each other up. I like yeah, that it's scene, a great scene, and I like that they discuss the damages and how before they even get started, they're like, "Don't worry, everything's on us." Wink, wink. That is another classic trope of martial oh, arts it is? movies: the I- rich guy who flaunts his money. And either buys drinks for everyone or meals for everyone, or he's willing to pay for the damage. Mm -hmm. I Um, like that trope. I like that trope a lot. Uh, So after all of that, and after Chun Fong's like, don't come to my lantern dungeon, meh. uh, Then what happens is uh, an ally of Chun Fong, I forget his name, but it's, it's just a guy that Chun Fong knows. And he's like, I want, yeah. I want in on the action. I'm going to scar Lung's pretty face. Uh, and so it ends up being a distraction. Lung gets interrupted while he's making love, sweet love to Madame Lung. 
and he runs outside. I also like, I think at that scene, Lung was like, you can tell me anything and then interrupts her as she's starting yeah. to talk to him to go outside and fight the bad guy. And I'm like, that's just so, that's a funny little touch to be like, uh, actually, wait a second. I have something to do right now. And so while he's fighting yeah. that guy who wants to scar his face, Chun Fong kidnaps Madame Lung. And that made me so sad. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, but yeah, so what happens is the hitman, right? Mm-hmm. The hitman is there to scar the guy and Ch- and he knows Chun. And so he knows him because they were all great swordsmen. And Chun gave up that life, whereas this guy pursued the life, although he took the hitman route, mm, right? Yeah. So he says, you wouldn't believe who hired me to kill this guy. Because uh, I think it's unclear whether or not he's supposed to scar him and then kill him or just kill him or whatever. But he's essentially hired to kill Lung. Mm-hmm. And Chun, having this information in his back pocket, uses it as an opportunity to, again, this is all V for Vendetta level stuff. He's he's playing 4D chess because he knows <laughs> If he kidnaps Madame Lung while the hitman sent from Tan is there to kill Mr. Lung, then he knows Lung is going to think that it's all Tan's doing. So it's all this crazy, crazy Machiavellian type. It's very convoluted, stuff. the motivations for all of this. Um, but but it makes every fight scene so compelling. And what makes this fight scene very compelling is the fact that the killer has a very unique weapon, which is the Tonfas with the sickle blades on them. Oh, yeah, and that's right. And, and a, a blade cool pops out of the handle. Hidden blade is very classic. Mm-hmm. Very yep. classic. Um, and uh, And again, so the Hitman has a very unique weapon that comes out of nowhere. So what does Lung do? Lung goes to his room full of swords. And which sword does he pick out? The one he was practicing with earlier, because that's the one he's the best with. So he knows if he's going to fight this very skilled assassin, he's got to use his best sword out of all his swords. So again, this is how you tell a story through martial arts. I missed that part. I, I was trying to keep track of all the kidnappings and the murders. Right. But character design and stuff, like when I play Dragon Ball Fighters online, like I'm not just playing versus some random guy playing me at 2 a.m., I'm Cell versus Goku. You know what I mean? Like, this is Hitman versus Master Lung. All right. Yeah, no, I I thought it was a cool fight scene. And it all ends up being a big distraction, though, because Madam Lung gets taken. And then the next day, Lung goes to Sergeant Poon and is like, you're totally useless. Go and find my wife. And then meanwhile, the same guy who attacked Lung decides to attack Tan, except Tan has his rainbow fan army 
And by rainbow fan army, I mean all of Tan's dudes have a different colored fan. And then there's one guy who has a fan that has all the colors. And so it's like somebody took one of those parachutes from gym class and then split it up into different fans and people fought with those fans. So anyway, they're awesome. And I think that they end up killing the assassin or okay, mortally, they mortally injure him. Right. Because they're about no, to they, toss, they kill him. They 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 kill him, and they're about to toss him into a grave when Chun Fan comes up, and Chun Fong <laughs> kills all of them. Right? Yes, but you're blowing by so much stuff. <laughs> First of all, uh, when the killer kidnaps Madame Lung. I like that he's laughing and doing his little monkey ghost man thing. But then yes. he goes, don't worry, the mask is fake. And then he peels the mask off to reveal his his own face. But I thought that was very Freddy Krueger-esque. Yes, it, and wasn't, it, wasn't, he does um, have some Freddy vibes. Yeah, wasn't Freddy Krueger your favorite of the horror franchises that you recently watched? Um, I would say that between Freddy and Jason, I'm more of a Freddy fan. And also, I like to sleep, so I'm more afraid of Freddy than Jason. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hear you on really that. I really like to sleep. Um and also just the whole mechanics of pulling someone from the dream world into the real world are so ridiculous. But uh, yeah, yeah Freddie, Freddie has a sense of humor. He's real cheeky. He, he likes a good tongue, tongue in cheek moment. Um, and I would say that Chun Fong has kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the three rounds. Uh, Master Tan gives the hitman three rounds to uh to to get him, and that's gonna that's another classic. And we see it again in Wing Chun. There's a, a sort of I'll give you three rounds kind of thing. But oh, with the, escalation, the to- with the tofu fight. No, with the spear in the wall fight. I'll give you three pulls. Oh, he says right, but. Uh, three rounds adds an instant ticking clock to the uh, to the fight, which again, like if you're going to have a fight, it's good to put momentum behind that fight and giving a fight a sort of arbitrary time limit is a good way to to do that. Um, but then the escalation of we already know that the hitman has a hidden blade, right? So we have his blunt weapon versus the fan, right? Remember that scene where Master Tan has the fan in hand? Yeah. And the guy's pushing his weapon into it. So it's blunt versus fan. Then the knife cuts through the fan. So now we have knife versus fan. But Master Tan then reveals he has knives, he has knives in the fan. Oh, yeah. Which he then I uses to over stab. That. The knife, he uses that to stab the hitman. The the fan knives, the fan blades are really cool. Again, I so, am a member of the Rainbow Fan Army. But you're telling your story through action. You know what I mean? Yes. It's blunt versus soft. Sharp through the soft. Sharp versus sharp. All of these are happening very quickly. It's being told through editing, through sound design. These movies are so great. <laughs> 
the killing of the hitman was such an awesome moment but um yeah then you're right they got to go get rid of the evidence and while they do chun as as ghost killer he uh he ambushes them yeah and then it is Dracula's like scream them. it is like scream he is like ghost phase with that yeah with that monkey bearded skull uh and so the next day the severed heads are in the town square or whatever and everybody's shocked and appalled and long goes to chun fong i guess to check on the lanterns again and chun fong leads lung to think that tan is responsible for the kidnapping and i'm just like how does he trust him how does yeah. lung just keep being like okay chun fong i'm not suspicious of you at all He's blinded by his greed and pride. He's a movie character. He is a movie character. He's he's doing he's doing a Hamlet, uh, and so of course now Tan and Lung have to fight. Uh, and I think I would say it looks like Lung is winning, but then the Skull Man shows up, aka Chun Fong, and beats everyone up. And then Chun Fong goes back to his lair after that and rapes Madame Lung while shouting Lung's name. <laughs> not uh, he was not. I, I think it was very clearly meant to be that he was climaxing while calling out to Master Lung. Right? Yes. Oh, big time. So he explain is, is, explain this to me, Brett. Explain what this means. Also, I'm You've seen Old Boy. <laughs> you know that 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 some of these Asian long con serial killer I've also crazy seen types. Berserk too, which also has a similar scene where the bad guy it's... is thinking about the hero while he's, he's having sex and it makes no sense such, it's he's got such a hard on for revenge that yes he is <laughs> thinking about master lung while he's raping madam lung and that's how he gets off is by calling out his rival's name it's so not fair to madam lung it's so not fair yeah then, she doesn't deserve it Finally, Chun Fong's human lanterns are complete. And around the same time, Lung finally figures out that Chun Fong is the killer. And I like the reveal of... Because uh, Lung cannot stay away from the lantern dungeon. Like, he cannot stay away. He goes, he well, sees the human lanterns, and he thinks that they look awesome. He is wowed yeah, by them. He's mesmerized by them. Similar to yeah. how human meat has to taste delicious by movie law, I think anything made from people has to be beautiful. Kind of like the red yeah. violin. Spoiler for that movie. It's made from people. Um, but it means that it just has a has a sweeter sound. So and yeah. anything made from people is special, is what I have learned from movies. Special and delicious. Special and delicious, um, exactly. So yeah, the old drunk guy ends up trying to uh, hang out with Chun one night. Oh yeah, that, that does lanterns. happen. 
that happens. And so that's before. a great, <laughs> that's a great. Oh, he did kind of moment because that's always a great kill in a horror movie. Well, he where puts it's them kind in his like, people cooking pot, right? Yeah, he drowns. Well, he basically drowns them in a in a cauldron of blood. <laughs> so yes. yeah, he, it's it's pretty metal. It's pretty hardcore. Um, but uh, then yeah, so that's what gets lung to chun which is hey this old drunk man is missing and i remember the old it was drunk old man sue told right Lung about yeah old sue they're like i i remember old sue told long about chun days ago and so then that's what causes lung to go to chun's place and then he goes into the basement and he sees the human lanterns gorgeous and gorgeous um and so now they have to fight right now this they is have this to is, fight and this is like 20 minutes of pure fighting right so now it's the boss fight and tan and the rainbow fan army come in with the assist and then chun fong gets arrested and he explains that he basically did all of this to make tan and lung fight each other Right. That was his goal all along. All he wanted was for Tan and Lung to fight each other. But also, when Tan and Lung start really going at it, he can't help but insert himself into the fray. And then, you know, he he did his his whole thing there. So I don't I don't know what he really wants. Yeah, it's. I, I I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it's very it's very confusing. It kind of reminds me of there's an an episode of Adventure Time where Finn wants to make Fire Princess and Ice King fight each other, and so he tells them lies, like he writes letters saying "I hate you" from the other person just so he can watch them fight each other, and that's kind of what this felt like to me. Like he just. He wanted to see two really cool warriors duke it out. And so he did all of this weird stuff to make it happen. It doesn't really even seem like it's for revenge so much as it would be really cool. It, so here's, uh, here's, here's how I see it, right? Which is he's, he really wants lung to be destroyed so not only does he but long thinks that he's his friend that's even weird because he's because he's he doesn't think he's his friend he's just trying to be friendly to him so that he can pay him enough money so that he'll make him a good lantern right like all about lanterns with long it is it really (laughs) is so he it's it's sort of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing we the audience know what's going on but it's melodrama because when when lung finally puts all the pieces together he uh like it's a big reveal moment for him but for us it's like a yeah no duh yeah kind of thing um yeah no so he just at at one point he has a line where he says like no more heroes i just wanted you know what i mean like he took away everything like not just his wife 
not just his girlfriend. He took away his reputation as a swordsman, Ooh. as a master. Like there, there is no way anyone can hear Master Lung's name now and think anything good about him because because human just, lanterns because because no more heroes. Yeah, he he sacrificed it all for those human lanterns. But um, so then this is. Oh, I was just going to say, so Chun Fong evades the cops, and does Chun Fong die in this final showdown or not? Or does he escape? I I don't... I It was unclear to me. I think it's it's meant to be taken as as um, once Lung and Chun go down in that basement area, that Chun's plan is to take them both out in the fire. However, only Chun dies, ah. so Lung lives. However, Chun did such a great job at doing an evil plan that even though Lung survived, well, his he's face still burned. His face yeah, got a little bit. That's... No, but that's he said he he left the mark on Chun yeah, Fong, and then Chun Fong Not... was like, "I'm gonna do you one better." I'm going to burn your fucking face off and then yeah. we'll see who's laughing. Right. Uh, and I think that this is very martial arts. The end of this movie is Lung telling Sergeant Poon that he is giving away all of his possessions and traveling to calm his soul. Yeah. I, what else can you do? <laughs> and so the sequel right? is him as a traveling martial artist beating up bad guys and never revealing who he is. And then people are yeah. like, oh, I know you. You're the human lantern guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, yeah. It, you could definitely do like a... Um, I mean, we brushed over this at the beginning. I did. But like, this is a Shaw Brothers movie. So that's... That's kind of like Marvel. Marvel Shaw Brothers has a bunch of different martial arts heroes. Oh, really? Characters. So they do yeah, they like, have like a, a Shaw Brothers universe? No, but if the people who made Dragon Ball Fighters ever wanted to do a Shaw Brothers fighting game, I would I would support that Kickstarter. Do you want Master Lung and Tan to be characters? Yeah, definitely. Um, but also Master of the Flying Guillotine. Uh, that movie's that movie is basically like Street Fighter, the movie. It's just every character is another video game character. Nice. So yeah, that that is the end of the movie. He travel. He's gonna go travel to calm his soul. Yeah. Any any other thoughts before we get into the question? Um. Yeah, just that this movie is a DNA movie for me, which I think I've used that term before on the podcast, yeah. but that's a movie. It's like this movie was such a compilation of all these other great movies that I've seen, but also it clearly inspired a bunch of movies that have been made since. Uh, and so I always, finding those kinds of movies always just, tickles me in all the right ways uh it just all the right places it it tickles it tickles yeah. your chi your chakras yeah um it 
I just like there were so many times during this movie where I was writing down references to other movies. A lot of Sam Raimi stuff going on. Um, I just, I just love it. It didn't work for me as well. I kind of felt like Long's wife, Madam Long, you could tell she was really frustrated with him when he basically told her he'd rather die than let Tan surpass him. Yeah, but that's part of what makes it a Sam Raimi drag me to hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck, shit just got real. Like, none of those characters deserved it. Every single one of them was sympathetic for their own reason. Right. And yeah, Madam Lung got the raw end of the deal big She got the most punishment, movie. it feels like. And yeah. And, and that's yeah. what makes it a horror movie. Ultimately, that's what makes Lung, it a legit horror. Lung was punished for his hubris. His pretty face was burnt. Uh, right. I, I think that does count for something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the only other thing I do want to say is like, I think martial arts movies like this have a very, like, you could only do this in movies, right? Like, you can only get this kind of feel in movies. Because playing fighting games, like, it just doesn't have the same feel, right? Like, I don't know how else to describe it other than game feel and movie feel. Like mm-hmm. just the the choreography, the the editing, these movies are so sharply designed. Every fight is its own set piece. The editing perfectly complements that. Like they'll do match editing where characters are spinning midair and still match the edits later, or they'll use the editing to convey power behind the hits. And uh, just so many tropes. This movie's filled with so many tropes. The fact that the fan guy uses a big hammer weapon at the end of the day. He uses like a big hammer axe weapon. And the fact that their weapons get switched. They do the classic, oops, I got your weapon and you got mine. And just, ugh. This movie hits all the classics and it does it in, in such a great way. I love it. I I I just I wish that the women had more to do in the movie. I know that we got the little bit with Tan's sister, she got a fight scene, but it it's not on the level of Wing Chun where you know she's, But it's not Yeah, but I mean but it's, it's not 90 about minutes. them. It's not about And it's about them. a guy killing people. It's not yeah, you've got a whole ninety minutes of female empowerment movie. <laughs> I want, Wing female, I want female empowerment all the time. No. <laughs> you can't That's have it. it Women are oppressed. Um, <laughs> so I got to ask, who do you have a crush on from this movie? Oh, man. You know, I, ha- I, <laughs> I got to go with Sergeant Poon. Really? The average average Joe Sergeant Poon knows no martial arts. He does know martial arts a little bit. He knows enough where his only real fight scene is is to like get the other two to stop. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a very cool like one on one on one fight scene kind of Uh. thing. 
But yeah, I just, I liked his vibe the whole time of he's like, what am I supposed to do? This is a, this is like a, a professional serial killer. He's really, his, his, he's going out of his way to not get caught. I can't do anything. I got no evidence. This is, this, we don't have DNA. We don't have forensics. <laughs> it's just like, what, what do you want me to do? Uh, how about you? Who are you crushing on? Tan, all the way. Rainbow oh, yeah, Army. Master Tan. Master Tan is so cool. And I mean, you know, it says a lot about Tan that a guy like Lung is so jealous of him. Yeah. Uh, Tan definitely would be the only kind of good guy in the movie, but even then he gives off a kind of bad guy. Like he hired the hitman, and I think the hitman fight is is probably one of the best fights of the movie. I mean, I think they're all Wait, great. Tan but... didn't hire the hitman. The hitman was a friend of Chun Fong. The hitman was a friend of Chun Fong, but he wasn't there because of Chun Fong. He was there because of Tan. Mm. Tan's the oh, one who hired Oh, because Tan him. thought that Lung messed with his sister. Right. Right, and it was all part of Chun Fong's plan all along. Okay, I'm I'm starting to <laughs> understand. Um. So, how was it remixing this movie into a romantic comedy? Oh shit! I did not do that much remixing. All I did was I pitched ten fights. Each one of these movies <laughs> has ten fights at least, and I think that is insane. I so I just was like, I wrote full odd stories, and you're no, telling me. No, I was me, like, fuck it. You're telling me you just did martial arts fights. These fights, I just did fights. This fight, these fight scenes better tell a story of love and romance that's all i'm well, saying i think they do okay let, let's hear them i'm i am eager to know how how these two will fall in love through fighting okay this is called mana skin <laughs> like mannequin but mannequin. Like mannequin, but mannequin. Oh. It's all about skin. Oh baby. no. I'm turning I'm I'm focusing both on Miss Lung and Miss Tan in this movie. I, I don't care about the misters at all. Uh they're childhood friends <gasps> and they're both burned. So one of them has a burn on the left side of their face. One of them has a burn on the right side of their face. Aww. Um but then Auntie comes to town, right? Oh, we love a good auntie. Auntie is kind of like in charge of a kind of like a brothel type thing, like a, a dating brothel thing. Okay. And so, so auntie has to fight off a crowd of very horny street walkers. Right. And so auntie kind of puts them all in their place. So we have a sort of forming a line type thing where, the gimmick of this fight scene of Auntie versus the crowd is her taking a mess of a crowd and straightening them out into a straight line. So a lot of like body, you know how like sometimes in martial arts movies, they can hit you and paralyze your body in a specific spot. Oh, so she orders them like around with her, right. with her moves. Right. So then this is when, you know, Miss Lung and Miss Tan are childhood friends. This is, so this is when they're older, 
Lung decides she wants to join Auntie and be one of her girls, Ooh. right? Because her girls are all very beautiful and supposedly she can make anyone just as beautiful. But Tan sticks around to do bean curd stuff. So I'm mixing up elements of both. Okay, movies. so she's care. a tofu girl. And her so friend she's a is, tofu girl. is a whore. And her friend is going to be, it's not like a whore, but it's like. It, it's, Concubine? It's, it's a concubine-esque kind of like, maybe like a like just a dancer or a something. I don't know. But, yes. Yeah, so Tan goes to do bean curd stuff. So part of the fight scene in that is just going to be her doing like normal everyday things while practicing her martial arts. Then there's going to be a ninja break-in of of Tan's house because that's where they keep all their money that they earn from selling bean curd, right? And then when Tan pulls off the ninja mask, it's really Lung. But Lung now no longer has a scar on her face. She's a very beautiful woman and Lung doesn't remember Tan. So Tan remembers Lung. Lung doesn't remember Tan. So what happens is Tan has to join up with Auntie's army of mannequins to who all have beautiful skin to find out what happened to Lung. So there she meets Chun. Chun is like a scrappy journalist type. Okay. And so Chun has to... Chun knows all of this backstory. She's going to be our exposition person, right? Mm-hmm. So Chun and Tan have to go fight the antidote maker, right? So that's this old guy in the woods who makes an antidote for the whatever. However, during their fight with the antidote maker, the antidote is going to spill onto Chun. So what this means is now we have like a, a thing where Tan has to help Chun steal money so that Chun can look like she's a capable person in Auntie's army. Okay? So this is like uh-huh. now we're going deep undercover stuff. So then we have an inspector character come in and the inspector has to fight Auntie because he ex- he thinks he's she's doing some shady stuff. Like her mannequin geisha business is all above board, but the fact that she's using these geishas to scout out towns and then making brainwashing them to go in and steal people's stuff, the inspector's kind of catching on to that. So the inspector and Auntie have a very weapons-based fight. Right, so we got a weapons gimmick in there because I love it when they have to go through multiple weapons. Of course, then and they're all on the wall. Right, <laughs> yeah, you got to go up to the wall to pick them off. Then the inspector has to fight Chun and Tan, but because Tan has to keep her abilities on the down low, it's very puppet esque. So very much like, um. Like maybe they can both have face paint. Mm-hmm. Chun and Tan can both have face paint on so that when the inspector is fighting them, it can take place in like a changing room. 
And as the inspector's fighting them, sometimes the person he's fighting will be Chun, but he doesn't know it. So they'll be very bad at fighting. And sometimes he'll be fighting Tan, who's very good at fighting. So he'll be all over the place because his opponent was actually two different people that he thinks is the same person. Mm -hmm. So again, these movies are very convoluted and, and mistaken identities. Then what we have is we have Tan versus the mannequins. So what happens is Tan has to go in to stop the mannequins from stealing, but this is going to be another fight where no one can get hurt. So she's going to have to do something where she ties up the mannequins. And again, like the end of the set piece will be, they're all tied up in different poses like mannequins. Then the final fight scene is going to be Tan and Long versus Auntie. So we're going to have a bunch of like, we're in the brothel house. We can go from sex room to sex room. Each one has a different gimmick and a different setting and different props. But essentially Tan and Lung, they somehow, they somehow unbrainwash Lung. They fight, they take out Auntie and, um, and yeah, somehow Lung gets her, her face rescarred, but that's fine because she's like, I don't care. I don't need beautiful skin to be beautiful on the inside. Aw. And then who kisses who? Um, this whole time will develop a relationship between Tan and Chun. Okay. So the, the, the exposition perky reporter, spunky reporter type will fall in love with the lady who's out to save her best friend. I can accept that. Yeah. So there you have it. I like That's the fight scene. Mana skin. I like the army. I use an army concept in my Wing Chun remake. So I I like that you brought that in for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it's kind of hard and convoluted to go through it. But I just kind of wanted to hit on like how each fight scene would be different. Mm -hmm. So the story is hard to, to get across. But yeah, I, I just like when martial arts movies have a lot of variety in their fights. And I think both of these movies did a good job of having plenty of variety. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. So how about you? What's your movie called? Oh, well, my movie. Oh, wait, we didn't. Before I go on to my movie, we need to think of a name for your movie. Oh, no, this one is Maniskins. Oh, Maniskins. That wasn't the yeah. one that you struggled with the name of. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. So my movie is called Love by Lantern Light. Aw. Coming to Lifetime soon. Uh, so I thought that Madam Lung's first name was Chin. I might have been wrong, but we're just going to go with it. So Chin is a young noblewoman with a passion for making lanterns. She wants mm. to participate in the Lantern Festival, but she's not allowed because she's a woman. So then Chin disguises herself as a boy by day and becomes an apprentice to Chun Fong, a lantern maker and martial artist. Uh, and so maybe, maybe the first fight scene can be Chin as a boy 
going up to Chun Fong and he refuses to take her as a lantern making apprentice until she meets some kind of challenge, like takes a bead from his hand or something. Yeah. Uh, she's got to uh she's got to extinguish the light of a candle and he's got like he's got to use his chi to block her chi from mm-hmm. extinguishing the candle yeah so that that can be fight number one and then we also learn that chin's father has betrothed chin to master tan but Chin doesn't like Tan or trust him. She thinks that he's really a bad guy and he he wants to take her father's wealth through her. Uh, and her suspicions of Tan are confirmed when she meets Lung as she's disguised in her boy self. And Lung talks about how much he hates Tan. And maybe Lung and Chin can have a meet cute in the lantern store and maybe they'll fight too, but it'll be really cheeky. Like uh, maybe Chin is working on the lantern and uh, Lung plays keep away, but it can be something where it's like very flirty, but he just thinks he's messing with this little kid. (laughs) Uh, and then coincidentally, both Lung and Tan want these super fancy lanterns for the Lantern Festival. And Chin agrees to make Lung's lantern because Chun Fong is making Tan's. And so mm. we get midpoint of the story. Chin is struggling to juggle her multiple personas. Like maybe we can have a, a shenanigan or something like that uh, where she has to do something with Tan. And then at the same time, she's trying to meet up with uh, Lung or work on the lantern. So she's going back and forth between her girl self and her boy self. Like maybe she goes back to Lung and he's like, why are you wearing lipstick? And he's all like, Oh, Uh, but it's just, it's getting too hard for her to get through everything without shenanigans. Uh, And so then the day comes to announce Tan and Chin's engagement. And of course, this coincides with the Lantern Festival because it has to. Uh, Of course. And Chin has finished Lung's Lantern and she's going to present it to him and confess to him. And then at the same time, Lung's old mistress. Well, in this version, they aren't together anymore because it's a rom-com. But Yen Chu, because she is the ex-girlfriend, she's just returned. Uh, And maybe Lung seems excited about it. So when Chin learns that Yen Chu is back, she decides not to confess. And maybe we get a, a sad scene where she leaves the lantern with a note or something and disappears because then Chin's father finds out about the cross-dressing and forbids her from going to the Lantern Festival. Because of course, of course that's going to happen. Instead of leaving a note, she could leave a lantern. And then when the character lights the lantern, 
like writing appears on the wall. Oh, you know what I mean? That would be so cool. Yeah. So, of course, Lung loves the lantern and he has complicated feelings for this young, beautiful man who made it for him. Uh, and of course his lantern is the most beautiful. It's way better than tans. He's filled with pride. I wanted to give Lung the satisfaction of knowing he had the best lantern because he didn't get to have that in the original version. Uh, I said virgin when I meant version, (laughs) but, uh, he wants to meet with Chin. He he needs to see Chin and talk about his success. But Chin has disappeared. Chin is nowhere to be found. But Chun Fong does his brother a solid in this version and says that Lung should take this hairpin because it belongs to Chin's sister. So we're at the engagement party. Everybody who's anybody is there, including Lung. And Lung notices that the hairpin matches one that Chin is wearing. And he realizes all at once that Chin is the lantern maker. And he loves Chin. He loves the the boy girl that he's gotten to know. Aww. So Lung makes a huge scene and demands that the maker of the lantern serve him forever. And you mentioned that this movie is Jane Austen-like. Maybe Lung can imply that he and Chin have a pre-existing relationship and she has to marry him because she made him a lantern and they'd be like, Oh, she made him a lantern. Is that a, is that a euphemism? Is that a metaphor for she, for she touched his penis? She made land. She lit her lantern for him. (laughs) Um, He touched her tofu. Uh, So now Tan is angry. And of course is like, I won't marry your daughter. And Lung is like, I will marry your daughter. And so then Lung and Chin are engaged and live happily ever after. Very nice. The end. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's a like it's a very cute story. And I like the title a lot. Love by Lantern Light. Yeah, but um, yeah, just working in as much of that lantern theme as possible. Yeah, I wanted to take the lanterns out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Ed Gein uh, type of uh, aesthetic (laughs) and bring it into something that would feel at home on the Hallmark Channel. Yeah, I could see this being a Hallmark movie. But it's a Hallmark movie with an all-Asian cast in a historical drama. Ah. Uh Uh-huh. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. This is the future liberals want. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Now we're we're winding down. We're we're getting towards the end of the the episode. 
before we get into love bites, just want to remind everyone to like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Wouldn't hurt either if you left us a review. Uh, and then uh, you can follow us on social media at NecromancerPod. All right. Now getting into the bites of love. Love bite attack. What do you want to recommend this week, Brett? Okay, well, I have a, a new game. It's called Strider. Strider? Do you know, do you know who Strider Hear You is? No. Wait, did you mention this game on the last episode? I think so. Oh, did I? Oh, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I finished it, and it's a great game. You're, so you're and taking this opportunity to re-recommend Strider re-recommend strider but actually i did want to uh go out of my way to second recommend dragon ball fighters uh for realsies because like this is a game that if you don't play fighting games you can still relate to the idea of like i having a hobby i don't play fighting games so that that is compelling for me um but like having a hobby and getting better at that thing, you know what I mean? Like I'm much better at Dragon Ball Fighters today than I was when I first started. And I'm not great at the game. Like I don't put a lot of time into it, but I put enough time into it that like, yeah, it's nice to see progress. It's nice to see um, like actual, actual physical progress because a lot of the other stuff i work on is like eh you know yeah you did it good job you know what i'm talking no, about no i i know exactly what you mean i i like a game that has replay value and that as you learn the game your experience gets richer i felt that way uh i'm pretty sure i've recommended it on this podcast uh about a uh, fire emblem three houses That game was a game where I started off the game not being very good at it and then finished the game being great at it. And it really, yeah, it enhanced my experience a lot once I actually learned how the game worked uh, and it was no longer overwhelming. I got so much out of it. Yeah. And it's so cool because Dragon Ball Fighters, like, you know, they have an arcade mode so you can go fight the computer and get a a letter graded ranking at the end. And that's good because it helps me practice my defense and also get to know what all the characters do because every character has a different style. But man, the difference between fighting a computer and fighting a human is just it's so night and day. It's so much fun to fight another person. Oh, for sure. Like. It just, it makes the game so fun. And again, you get to be these characters, and it's so great. My team right now is Super Saiyan Vegeta, Cell, and Cooler, in case you were wondering. Very nice. I am a Vegeta fan. Yeah. I am Super Vegeta. (laughs) Yeah, all the characters have the things they say pre-fight, post-fight. I love video game pre-fight, post-fight dialogue. I love it. I do too. Yeah. 
So how about you? What's your love bite? Well, you know how I love sticking to a theme. And people who have listened to this podcast before know that in addition to movies where people kiss, I also like kissing books uh, to reference The Princess Bride. Yes, this is a kissing book that I'm about to recommend. Uh, I would say that if you like martial arts movies and you wish they had more kissing or you want romance to be more of a central focus, I would highly recommend uh, an author named Jeannie Lin. Uh, There's a book by her called Butterfly Swords about a badass female warrior princess Uh, and the lone swordsman who falls in love with her. But that's just one of many books by Jeannie Lin that take place in a martial arts type of world that I think people would really like. So, yeah, if you want to read a book with uh, Asian heroes and heroines, with martial arts and romance, I would pick up something by Jeannie Lynn. She's great. Very nice. All right. Well, that is all for the day, folks. How would a flying Big Daddy Mars attack? Uh, <laughs> hi. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.